everyone, and welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Sophia Simonello. And I'm Nick Rurkrow. And here we are, season finale. We made it through the 94th Academy Awards. I'm a bit deflated. I'm just going to start there. Mm-hmm. I think that we try to be really positive, but last night was a really overwhelmingly bad experience. Yes, the 94th Gen Z Disney Will Smith Awards. It was quite a show. I would say that I pretty much enjoyed the first half. And then once they did their additional Disney performance, which we can also mention, that's when it started going downhill. Then we got original screenplay. Then we got the craziness. And then it was just like, why is this three hours? Why is this three and a half hours? Why is this three hours and 45 minutes? But it was fun seeing it with you and Isabel. I had a good time. Yeah, I had a good time watching it. It was just strange. And I think, you know, when I say I was upset or disappointed, yes, part of it was due to the fact that I found a lot of the winners absolutely abysmal. But the bigger thing was the telecast. It just completely knocked me out and just made me feel really, really sad as a fan of the Oscars and as Mm -hmm. a person who dedicates months of my time to this (laughs) so much it just it's like what like what are we doing here oh god but for our show today i promise we won't be all doom and gloom we will have some fun stuff in here to talk about we will be bringing back a fun game so sit tight we will be unpacking everything from the telecast but first i have to ask you like is this the worst telecast you've seen in your lifetime as an oscars fan it has to be It was total chaos, seemed like no actual structure, and what they were trying to rearrange just wasn't done well. And then they try to put in these anniversaries as prep for the next category and why these people are here. But even that didn't feel too connected either. Yeah, there felt like there was no intentionality behind anything. It felt like none of this came from a person who loved movies like why are three athletes presenting the bond tribute when javier bardem rami malek and judy dench are in the audience it doesn't make any sense the whole entire ceremony just felt very surface level to me it was like we are going to give you these tributes with these choices that don't actually highlight movie making and don't highlight what makes these films special and they were just crammed in there like why are we talking about white men can't jump it wasn't nominated for a single oscar no disrespect Mm -hmm. to the movie but why pulp fiction 28 like i'm 28 that's not a special birthday like come on wait two more years and have them do a tribute then or just have them come as presenters but even that it just all felt incredibly shallow and like they were trying to create and manufacture moments for Gen Z TikTokers Mm -hmm. who have 30 second attention spans. They literally had an intro for them. And I was like, what are they doing here? And I think a hard part too, is that everything that I thought I would hate about this telecast, I hated even more than I could have ever imagined. Like it lived up to my worst expectations, really. I guess when we started out in the pre-show, I was hopeful I didn't look on Twitter. I didn't see those eight categories spoiled. I kind of did with score and makeup later on during the show. Once those awards were on Twitter as like Dune won for score, I was like, no, it hasn't yet. And I think a lot of the red carpet presenters and that action was good. I liked getting Mm -hmm. those interviews. I thought Vanessa Hutchins, who was like mainly on ABC, did a really good job. And then getting Beyonce and that intro with Amy, Regina, and Wanda, great way to start. Loved all of that. Yeah, I think that Beyonce also, like, it was just a strange way to open the show just because she wasn't there. So you immediately are, you're not there at the telecast. And then Mm -hmm. you have to, it's cutting to DJ Khaled introducing these three hosts. And it was just really strange. There was a disconnect there. And I think, you know, the decision to cut the eight categories from the telecast, like, in full, was something that made us really mad. And they didn't save any time doing this. 
the <laughs> length of the Oscar ceremony was the length of Lawrence of Arabia. They, <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I don't understand like why that needed to happen when the Oscar ceremony ran even longer than it had before. And it did kind of take away from the red carpet for me because I did check Twitter because I wanted to know who was winning those awards because I feel like, you know, we've been waiting so long. I just wanted to know. And it was really sad finding out on Twitter. Like, I probably should have waited because it made me distracted from the red carpet. And it just made me wonder, like, why are these being relegated to this pre-show hour and not into the telecast? And especially, I think, seeing, like, we had time for them. Because what they chose Mm -hmm. to include was not good material. And we'll get to some of that throughout some of these questions we have. But I think to get that huge elephant out of the way, let's talk about Will Smith. I don't want to belabor this too much because this is Mm -hmm. all anybody has been talking about, will be talking about with this Oscars. It was on the radio today. I was like, I do not want to hear about this anymore. I don't know where we want to go with this. But I think even looking back from today it's even more messy than it was last night like last night was that moment (laughs) like unparalleled looking at each other being like is this real realizing it is and just like Mm -hmm. your whole body in shock and I think today there's a lot of discourse happening online in every form of media and I really do think it could have consequences for his career. And I don't know, you can talk about how you feel about that or anything related to this moment. I think the first thing I'll just say is that I don't really think that my voice is necessary in this conversation. Like my opinion is not important here. And I think that right now what's happening is that everyone has a take. Everyone, regardless of whether or not they watched this unfold, has a strong opinion that they feel the need to share. I mean, I feel a little out of my depth here, but what I will say just from our experience watching it is that this is the craziest thing that I've seen in my lifetime at the Oscars. It's crazier than the Faye Dunaway, Warren Beatty, La La Land, Moonlight mix up Mm -hmm. because, I mean, we watched it together and we were just like, we were like clinging to each other. We were like, what is going on here? Well, let me just tell you to start out. This is, this is crazy, but... When Chris Rock made the joke and said G.I. Jane, my brain was so focused on Jane Campion (laughs) that (laughs) I was like, are we doing a Jane Campion joke here? Like, please don't do this. I can't like I I don't want her to get involved with this family anymore. Like, please stop. Oh, my God. But that was not the case. And then (laughs) I mean, I I thought that when he walked up on the stage, that was fully a bit. It was completely mm-hmm. rehearsed. It was a joke. And then, you know, when the sound cut out, I think, like, being in the theater, not being in my home, like, I thought something was wrong with the sound mm-hmm. for a second. And then a I was Sopranos like, oh, moment. when the, yeah, Sopranos <laughs> moment, truly. And I think just then you saw his face and you were like, okay, this is very real and this is a problem. I've never seen anything like what Will Smith did at the Oscars. And I think the sad part of it is that his moment was tainted forever. Mm -hmm. His best actor win will always be about the slap. It will not be about his performance in the movie. It will not be about his great career that he'd been, you know, he'd been working towards this moment for years, for decades. And it's always going to be remembered this way. And that is tragic. It's, it's really, really sad. chilling to think about, yeah. And I think, too, I mean, I felt horribly for Questlove, right? Because Chris Rock is presenting documentary, and this telecast just decides to go on. Like, nothing happens. You know, Will is back in his seat. He didn't leave the theater. Like, we're just, we're just moving on, and we're expected to just, like, let this roll off. Mm-hmm. And poor Questlove, who made this fabulous documentary summer of soul that is groundbreaking in every way has to go up and get his oscar after all of that like what is he supposed to do and then give this incredibly emotional speech where they're cutting to him and his mom about his dad dying when he was young and was supposed to have taken him to this concert like and he couldn't even go on he could barely speak and tell this story and i tried to capture that moment as 
well as I could, but it was like, yeah, we need to pause. There's a lot happening right now. And you just saying that just now, I had no idea that he said that. I had no oh, idea. Oh my God. I was so distracted. Like my mind was going in a million different directions that I can't tell you a single word that oh. Questlove said during his speech. Because he grabbed his necklace. Yeah. And the the cuts to the mom were heartbreaking. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you think like after that, right, we have Jane Campion. She becomes the third woman in history to win best director. Just an outstanding moment. But still you have that the shadow of this thing that happened hanging over that moment. Well, I feel like she was kind of rattled too. She was bringing out yeah. her paper and maybe that was excitement and nerves, but you know, she was kind of shaking, unfolding that paper of her script. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we get Will Smith's speech. The thing I will say about that is that the speech really rubbed me the wrong way because I was a little bothered by the fact that he brought Anjanue Ellis he brought the Williams sisters, he brought Zania Sydney like into this mess and tried to relate everything to his experience in King Richard and to what Richard Williams would have done. And that to me just seems incredibly unfair to those women that he mentioned. And I wish he wouldn't have done that. I get that he's human and that was a crazy thing that happened. And how do you come back from that? Mm. But the whole like love makes you do crazy things i don't like it i don't buy it cringe and it's hard to hear yeah and the whole i'm not crying because of what happened thing too it was like Mm -hmm. yeah yeah let's just we can we can just move on because it's just it's going to keep going there's going to be a lot of discourse about it just we're dragging this on like his speech went and Okay, yeah, let's move on. We got some fun Twitter questions. First off, The Futurist asked, what was a favorite and an awful moment for each of you from the telecast, excluding the slop? My favorite win was Jane Campion winning director. I've said it all season. I was happy to see that happen. We'll talk more about like what happened with the power of the dog and everything, but she joins an elite class with Mike Nichols in The Graduate. Mm-hmm. That was the most recent instance of that happening where a person that wins Best Director of their movie doesn't win anything else. So congrats, Jane. You, you're in great company. <laughs> um, but my other favorite moment was definitely just, I think, in a really bleak telecast, like seeing moments that were really hard for me as someone who loves movies, seeing the kindness and the reverence that Lady Gaga had for Liza Minnelli when they were presenting Best Picture and just how sweet she was to her and how she said, I gotcha to her. And that was not scripted. Yeah. That yeah. was not for the cameras. Like that was just her being sweet and having respect for this legend of the silver screen, right? Mm-hmm. It was just beautiful. So I would say that. Yeah. And I had no idea Liza Minnelli's health was in like such bad condition or that she like really needed Lady Gaga's help up there. But that was adorable like you could tell hearing that 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 was like under her breath not trying to be in the mic and like it picked up but it was Mm -hmm. totally genuine i'm just gonna say my favorite moment from the night was regina hall all of her moments loved that she like went with this single plot line and her whole bit with bringing the guys up on stage i think of all of the ways they could have talked about covid and brought that back and said what a hard time we've been having over the past two years and how the ceremony is different. I thought it was a funny way for her to bring it up to poke fun at some of the actors that were nominated or there and to engage them. That's really what it becomes is engaging the audience and making them feel at home. I think the later bit with (laughs) the last duel, I don't know if they were just like high or drunk at that point, but like it didn't work like they wanted it Mm-mm. to <laughs> no so i think this like being early on the show hadn't dragged by this point loved her and then she comes out in this tammy Faye costume makeup hilarious okay my least favorite moment was the godfather tribute um <laughs> so again like lady gaga as an italian um, the Godfather is a very important movie to to me, to my family, 
and it's one of my favorite Best Picture winners ever. So I knew that this 50th anniversary tribute was coming and didn't really know what that would be. And this tribute looked like it was put together by someone who knew nothing about The Godfather and its importance. Number one, like not to be that person, but if we're going to celebrate The Godfather, do not put clips from part two and part three in there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What are you doing? No, 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 no. No, thank you. <laughs> do not play Can't Tell Me Nothing over it. The Nino wrote a score in The Godfather is gorgeous. You do not need to play a Kanye West song that's also featured in The Hangover when they get to Caesar's Palace. Like, do not put that in there. Come on. Also, what connection does Diddy have to The Godfather? Why is he the one presenting Mm -hmm. this? It just shows, again, no intentionality. Then you bring out Francis Ford Coppola. Amazing. Happy to see him. I loved seeing Steven Spielberg record everything on his phone. (laughs) Pacino just standing there, not saying Mm. a word. Robert De Niro, who is not in The Godfather. Happy to see him, but also not in The Godfather. (laughs) I just... it was just poorly executed, poorly planned, and you cannot tell me that there are not people in the Academy who love this movie who could have put that together. Just embarrassing. <laughs> I was audibly reacting to the screen, and I looked over at you and Isabel, and you guys were just dying laughing. Like, why is this happening right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. And then my other least favorite moment was when... The man who cheated on Emma Thompson won original screenplay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very pedestrian screenplay winner, and it didn't mm. deserve it. And it makes me sad. But I will rest knowing that Emma's win is better. I will say my worst moment of the night, apart from the whole we don't talk about Bruno skit, which made absolutely no sense apart from Disney hijacking the ceremony, And their whole bit, like, from the pre-show was that, you know, oh, we have so many surprises in here, and hint, hint, we don't talk about Bruno. And it was all to get this remix with Megan Thee Stallion. Mm -hmm. Like, one, viewers did not know this going into the show. Two, did we need this during the show? Three, do we need this remix? Four, I don't care. Well, the thing, too, about that is that if you're going to keep talking about this live performance why is this almost at 10 o'clock at night Mm -hmm. kids all around the world love this movie if you want to inspire the next generation of cinephiles little kids put it at the beginning of the show make it the opener get people hooked right away bring back the billy crystal montages of all of the songs coming in the beginning yeah it, it didn't fit it was a production too And you couldn't tell from the camera that they were filming on. They didn't have enough coverage of what was happening. Again, I don't know if that's my worst moment. Maybe it is. But my other one is how horribly they cut together all of those categories that they cut out of the ceremony. One, they went through the nominees. And then it was like immediately they were like, and Dune won. And it was like no lead up to like as if someone were opening the envelope. And then two... I saw online that they edited the speeches and that the like official document for what they had said was also the edited version, which is insane. No, that's just like after everything had happened, all these people spoken out, they're still going to keep editing and editing the actual winners. (laughs) I just I can't. And then the other part is that they were cutting to images of the current audience or like edited clips from earlier in the night of people reacting and it was like no it's not connecting it was such bad editing and no wonder because editing was one of those categories what's really hard there too is that you know we what that tells me first is that they know that's a bad choice they know that's a bad decision if they're showing people in the current crowd react And they're not, you know, they're not reacting. They're just editing that in. That's showing me that they know that these categories are supposed to be there and that the audience is supposed to be reacting to those moments, which, again, it's just shameful. But the second thing is that, you know, we spent a ton of time during our Contender series talking about the shorts categories and makeup and hairstyling and editing and all these different categories. And 
we talked about like all of these stories, right? Like Ben Proudfoot, who won documentary short for the Queen of Basketball. Like we talked about the importance of the woman at the center of that story and, you know, Riz Ahmed winning his first Oscar. Who doesn't want to see that? Like him mm-hmm. walk up to the stage. He was nominated last year and his movie won a couple of categories. Like, let's see that moment. And I also think, you know, to your point about the editing and everything, the Dune team has every right to be furious because you win six Oscars. And, you know, when they made this announcement, I said, I was like, Mm -hmm. there's a chance that Dune could win like five of these. That's very possible. It ended up winning what four i think four pre-show <laughs> yeah they didn't get to build that fun momentum that you get on mm-hmm. oscar night you we didn't get to see them celebrate from 50 rows back in the theater and run up to the stage <laughs> like those are fun moments like yeah. show them and yeah. again winning six oscars that's a major feat not very many movies can say that and it felt like they won too because yeah. That's how many were shown actually during the telecast. It's just sad. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a movie that made over $400 million. Like people like that movie. It's popular. And Not if enough. you want to get more people invested, <laughs> show them how editing works. Show them how visual effects work. I don't know. Like show them how to make a movie. Mm-hmm. And if it's one of their favorites, like they'll tune in. We need to cut all of the flab that they added that they thought would save time and bring back the clips for all of the categories. Mm-hmm. Do it for makeup. Do it for costume. Do it for visual effects. Do it for production design. I love seeing those things. And I think I talked about this maybe like last year, two years ago. Don't just do it for acting. I think that is exactly what you're saying. That's where you bring in and have these viewers actually see what is happening behind the scenes in these moments. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, let's use this to just move into the next question. This question's from Kenzie Venunu. Do you think we'll see all categories presented live next year? Or do you think they'll take the increased viewership as a sign to continue this format? And I think it's important to note here, and she also noted this in her question, that we knew that the viewership was going to go up this year. Like, we knew that all along. The telecast this year drew in 15.4 million viewers. That is a 56% bump from the 9.6 million people that watched last year, but it's still the second least watched Oscars ever on record. It's not like they beat the Parasite numbers. The Parasite numbers that year, we still almost had 10 million more people watching that show. So it's not like what they did here was, you know, anything spectacular when it comes to the ratings, but... I guess, what do you think? Do you think that we're going to be trapped in this world (laughs) with this type of telecast? Because the ABC contract we still have for, I think, Mm -hmm. five or six more years. Oh, boy. I don't know if they'll bring all of them back. I mean, that would be way too hopeful to say right now. I hope they could see that their time-cutting efforts didn't work, and hopefully they can learn from that. Seeing this jump... In so many viewers is kind of shocking to me, but I think it comes down to like the quality of movies that are nominated. Mm-hmm. If you have this older academy voting for movies, they're not going to be the same movies that you want your viewers to be watching for. It just doesn't make sense. So you either need to keep making your academy makeup younger and younger and or add so many more people that like it jumps from nine to like 15,000 but I don't think that's gonna happen either (laughs) like I don't know I think they're gonna try to do something shocking and new and keep bringing in these viewers I just hope it's not from bringing people who have nothing to do with movies into the telecast what do you think about all this it's so hard I mean I I really hope due to I think a lot of people speaking out before the Oscars, like within the craft branches, like talking about mm-hmm. how disappointed they were. I really hope the Academy calls ABC on their bluff and that they see that this telecast was a problem. ABC is embarrassed of the Academy. Bottom line. They want this to be a Disney corporate retreat. That's what they want. They made it very clear last night. 
when Chris Evans congratulated Troy Kotzer and then we get the trailer for Lightyear. <laughs> when we hear about how important visual effects are because that's where all the popcorn movies are. What? <laughs> like, it was so clear from all along that it was all about Disney, all about Disney, all about Disney. And that's just going to continue because of ABC. And I think that we're going to see a shift next year, whether that means that all of the categories are presented or not. I'm not sure. But something's got to change. And especially because, you know, if you look back to the 70s, if you look back to The Godfather and to the cabaret year, like, those movies were popular. People went to go see movies like that back then, and that's not happening anymore. The mm. disparity is so much greater between what critics love and what audiences love now and what makes money. And Disney's just strong-arming everything. Like, they're trying to control all of it. And it just makes me really sad. So I think that, unfortunately, they'll probably take this little bit of increased viewership as a sign that something's working here mm -hmm. i hope they don't think all of it's working but i think that they will think that this format was entertaining which is a problem um but i think we'll have to wait and see with categories i think yeah your point too about like keeping people out of the telecast who don't care about movies like yeah. why are people showing up to dumb this down for an audience that doesn't exist mm-hmm I do hope they see, though, I think that, like, they didn't save time by cutting these categories. The Oscars went on longer. Was this the longest show ever? I don't know if it's the longest show ever, but it's, I mean, it's way longer than it's been in a while. Next question we got from Daniel B. Does Will Packer belong in the same sentence as Alan Carr when mentioning catastrophically produced Oscar ceremonies? I think so. I think the big winner of last night was Steven Soderbergh. Because... As terrible as the ending was to last year's telecast, that event felt like it was made for people in the room. And that will always be better than whatever trash we got last night. I think this was a terribly produced show that was made for people who don't love movies by people who don't love movies. And I'm mad about it. So yes, this is a catastrophe. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. So the reference here, um, this is from the 1988 Oscars, which was a really strange ceremony. It's the year that Rain Man won Best Picture that year. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, just a mess all around. <laughs> I did see Will Packer tweeted afterwards and he said, well, I promised it wouldn't be boring. And he had no influence on what he was referencing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like we said earlier, not one of the finer moments. I think a part of this was, like, forcing home this cheer moment and fan favorites, which we thought were countdowns. Like, we didn't know if these were ranked moments. I thought they were going to be awarding one at the ceremony. Again, mess. Having to see 20 seconds of Cinderella. Yeah, I mean, the Oscars cheer moment and the fan favorites, like when those were flashing across the screen, just that like rapid countdown. Oh, my God. I was like, am I high? Like, what is what is going on right now? I felt fully removed from my body. I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. And I said that a couple of times about things that were happening mm -hmm. in the telecast. So, yeah, it was it was really bad. The in memoriam was terrible it was like the dance of death i was like i yeah no it was just a terribly produced show i i have nothing else to say <laughs> let's move on to a, a positive here gabe guarin asked who gave the best speech i'm gonna give it to ariana debose who i guess i haven't really watched all of the speeches this season one because i knew she would be sweeping two i couldn't find critics choice for like an hour so i missed a lot but i thought her speech here was incredibly personal she says you see an openly queer woman of color an afro-latina who found her strength in life through art so if anyone has ever questioned your identity i promise you this there is indeed a place for us like bringing it back to west side story including all of these viewers that the producers are hoping are watching and shedding light on something that she identifies as i think bringing up politics is always something that's discussed and happens at the oscars especially but i think ariana did it in such a perfect way that it didn't feel forced and it felt 
like it came from the bottom of her heart. And I think starting the show here, even though it was with an award that we knew was going to happen, was so worthwhile. I agree. I loved her speech. You know, when you when you have the entire season to get your speech right, like it can pay off and it did for her. But I also, you know, I talked about this with Jane Campion. It's like, I don't want these things to be just like things we take for granted. And I think in the case of Ariana, I definitely did because she'd been winning all along. But, you know, to hear her say like that she's the first queer woman of color to win an Oscar. That's crazy. Like, that's Mm -hmm. so cool. That's something that we need to celebrate. So I think like. Yes, we've been trashing this ceremony and everything, but like this is definitely one of the best moments that we have of the night. My speech that I would choose is Troy Kotzer's speech, which made me cry, melted my ice cold heart. <laughs> hmm. And Yunya Jung, seeing her react to Troy Kotzer, that was when I knew that Koda was winning Best Picture. It was like right then Mm -hmm. and there. I was like, okay, this is happening. But in his speech, he says, my dad, he was the best signer in our family, but he was in a car accident and he became paralyzed from the neck down and he was no longer able to sign. Dad, I learned so much from you. I'll always love you. You are my hero. And then he continues later on. I just wanted to say that this is dedicated to the deaf community, the CODA community and the disabled community. This is our moment. To my mom, my dad, my brother, Mark, they're not here today, but look at me now. I did it. I love you. Thank Aww. you. It's just so yeah. sweet. Just a mm. great speech. So there were some shining moments. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Our next question comes from Oscar Obsessed. How do you think Coda is going to age as a winner? As badly as something like Crash or more meh like the King speech? <laughs> uh... I don't think it's going to be like Crash. No, it's probably somewhere in between, honestly. I don't know. It's tough. I think, I mean, the King speech winning only because it should have been the social network. But I don't think Coda is as bad or boring of a movie as the King speech is. So I think it's a little different there. But yes, like the same as losing to The Power of a Dog, which is just a much more powerful movie. Yes, Mm -hmm. in a very different way. I will say, though, so with that Power of the Dog, the graduate stat, the fact that that's been a 55-year span. But I found it interesting that CODA becomes the sixth film in Academy history to clean sweep, including Best Picture. So this hasn't happened since Lord of the Rings Return of the King in 2003, which had 11 nominations, which is obviously way more than three. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then before that, there are four other movies, The Last Emperor, which had nine, GG, which had nine, it happened one night, had five, and then Wings had two, all the way back to the 20s. So it's a cool stat to say you can clean sweep. Again, six films have done it with Best Picture. I'm not going to ask how you feel about this, but what do you think about the Crash, King Speech, or Green Book comparisons, it being as bad as that? Oh, it's not as bad as that. Like, come on. It's it's just not. And I'm saying this as someone who loved, loved, loved The Power of the Dog and gave Coda three stars. Like, I am, I am not going to say that it's Crash. I don't think that Coda won because the Academy is homophobic. Like, that's what happened with Crash and Brokeback Mountain, and I don't think that's what happened here. I think that if Belfast would have won, we would be in a King Speech social network situation. Like, mm-hmm. that is that type of movie. Like, the very basic British makes you feel something type of movie. I think that what happened, like, thinking it's like the Hillary Clinton book, like, what happened is <laughs> <laughs> just that Apple took the Miramax approach, they created a binary in award season of pick the movie that makes you feel. And that's Coda, and they spent a ton of money on it, and that's why it won. That's mm-hmm. it. It's it's not a better movie. It's not more well-made. There's no way, right? And they kicked off their campaign at a completely different time, which is interesting to look at historically. Like, Netflix is so good at getting these nominations. So good at them. But they, the wins just don't happen. It's crazy. Sean Fennessy tweeted this today, and it was just staggering. 
He said, in the past three years, Netflix's three big Oscar plays, The Irishman, Mank, and The Power of the Dog, have three wins out of 32 nominations. Wow. So it just feels like this is something that we can maybe expect from Netflix, and Apple approached it with a very different strategy. You know, when I think about how I read this season, I I didn't think enough about how much the Academy was just in, like, a we-want-to-feel-good space. And I think, you know, if we're thinking about legacy here, one of the good things here is I hope that this gives more opportunities to deaf actors. I hope that that happens. I hope that this Best Picture win brings that. Mm -hmm. But a cool thing about The Power of the Dog Losing is that it's in the greatest place you can be for a film and the legacy that you have. You're You're the better film that didn't win. You're the Roma. You're the Saving Private Ryan. I would actually maybe compare this more to Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan. I think it's that kind of a race. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, also, There Will Be Blood, but not to the race, but to the kind of movie that lost. Um, so it's, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad place to be for your legacy. One thing I love, too, is that Coda's going to give pundits an absolute heart attack next year. I mean, this broke all the stats. I love that. I think it's cool. So mm-hmm. good luck next year. Yeah, for how predictable this oscar ceremony was i think seeing these things happen that we could have never expected even a month ago was right something that actually made it a bit engaging speaking of predictable oscars i don't know if i'm the bearer of bad news to you nine (laughs) people at gold derby got a perfect score i saw i'm still the the first first. (laughs) and the only with 24 categories so there you go until the academy brings them back Mm -hmm. there you go (laughs) And that's the last thing that they'll be doing now is adding categories. So <laughs> you're right. I'm not they'll just worried. Be stripping them away. <laughs> so last question, and also as a wrap up here from Kevin Jacobson, how do we go on from here? <laughs> Love this. This made me laugh. Um, I don't want to get emotional, but when I was a, a little kid, I started loving the Oscars because. My dad loves them, and everyone who follows me on Twitter is very privy to my father and his opinions on the Oscars via text. But, yeah, I mean, that's why I got into them, because he loved movies, and because he loved movies, he loved the Oscars, and made me watch them as a baby. And I, like, got to fill out my little ballot (laughs) and, you know, draw on it and everything and cut out Entertainment Weekly and... Last night was the first time that I've watched the Oscars and that feeling was just gone. And as a movie lover, like that's so sad, right? Like (laughs) something that you love that much is just like you feel like no one cares about it. Like you feel like Mm -hmm. you entrust another group who supposedly like it's the industry, right? Like they should care about movies. They should want to teach people how to make movies and teach people how to love them more. They just didn't last night and it it really was like the first time that I felt like why am I doing this like why do I cover this so I think of just like how I'm gonna go on from here I guess and like to preserve my own love of movies and my love of what the Oscars once were I'm just gonna keep watching old movies that I love I'm gonna keep championing new movies that I think deserve attention and I'm going to do what I can I think to introduce those to people and share those to people because the Academy is just not going to do that anymore Mm -hmm. as long as they're with ABC and we can have hope that they can change. And I do somewhat, but God, last night was a big downer. So yeah, I just need to continue to share my love with love of movies. And I'm going to keep doing that here with you as frustrating as Oscar (laughs) season can be. So you would say that movie lovers did not unite last night. (laughs) Yes. Movie lovers broke up last night (laughs) (laughs) well gosh my answer is just to never talk about these movies ever again and move on (laughs) new slate of movies new year Mm -hmm. here we go Mm -hmm. back to like somewhat of a normal oscar calendar and eligibility window i do think the way that all of the awards ended up last night and what happened over the past two three weeks and how there were so many roller coasters happening and what happened is what was expected. And yeah, I think B 
being in it every minute was just so exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like not only in covering everything, but like going insane for like, wait, is this going to win? Is that going to win? And it was just like, calm down, step back, go breathe for a second. And you'll know who the winner is based on who you know the Academy is. Mm-hmm. Like they're not going to surprise you as much as you want them to. So I totally agree with you there. I am excited to start talking about new movies and yes, older movies. <laughs> My God, I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's just like, I mean, it's making me feel so much better about the horrors of last night. And I think, <laughs> yeah, too, just like, I don't know. I think that we just can focus on the good and that's that's important. And be nice to people. Be nice to people on Twitter, everyone. God, mm-hmm. make the season a little bit more bearable for others and yourselves. So to wrap up here, we have our scores from the award season fantasy draft this year. In fifth place, we have Team, the Oscar expert, with 154 points. In fourth place, we have Team Awards Watch with 196 points. In third place, we have Team Gold Derby with 200 points. In second place, we have Team Next Best Picture with 252 points. And in first place... We did it. We have 358 points. <laughs> oh, God, power. I love winning. <laughs> it was the desert power. We did it. Dune was our big winner throughout the entire season. So I that makes me so happy. Um, I will continue to rewatch this movie. Oh, my God. And cherish it and wait for part two. But I loved doing this award season fantasy draft. We'll obviously have another one next season. And we've already thought of ways to either tweak it to make it. I think, I mean, even though it was close for a while, mm-hmm. I think towards the end. Once we got to the guild wins, it was just like nobody yeah. had a chance against Dune. But we'll think of ways to try to. I don't know, keep it more engaging. We'll see. Stay tuned. And then next up, we have to end the season, our very last moment on one of our shining mini games, Smash or Pass. I love that we're doing this again. We are playing this game with some of the stars and how they looked at last night's ceremony. And I think we have to start off with Timothy Chalamet. With that Jamie Tart look, he's wearing this bedazzled coat, no shirt underneath, threw everyone in a tizzy. Mm-hmm. Again, I could repeat my comments from the Dune Smasher Pass, but I will simply say Smash here. Yeah, I love the Louis Vuitton look. Timmy and I are just not, it's just not going to work. <laughs> I got to say Pass. Just not my type. It's okay. It's a little young for me. But I guess the next one isn't, even though he's younger. Um, never mind. <laughs> Jacob Elordi. <laughs> a tall man. Yeah. Smash. Yeah. I made a, a horribly inappropriate joke last night that is this what they mean by hope dicting? Um, oh <laughs> smash. <laughs> the 6'5 Australian. And teaser, maybe we'll be talking about deep water. Oh, my God. (laughs) Next up, the three athletes presented the Bond tribute. Um, I'm going to smash all three. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. Um, Sean White won. Like, I'm not better than Nina Dobrev. Like, they're dating. Whatever. She knows best. So I trust her. (laughs) Kelly Slater is a surfer. And Tony Hawk. I mean, that would be a great story. So smash, smash, smash. I'm passing all three, but I guess this could be your way into the ceremony. Like, okay. (laughs) That's rude. (laughs) Next up, we have J.K. Simmons or Timothy Chalamet, according to our host last night. Which version? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say pass, but he was looking pretty dapper. And he was featured quite a lot on screen. I'm also going to say pass. Next up, Jason Momoa, one of Regina Hall's TSA pat-downs. This is an easy smash. Maybe my top pick of the group. What? Besides, (gasps) well, maybe three. Top three. Oh my gosh. 
I'm going to pass. <laughs> Why? The hair does nothing for me. <laughs> oh, my God. This is this is shocking. I mean, not really, I guess, but okay. I forget More what for I me. said on the Dune one. I feel like you smashed him on the Dune one. Maybe I did. I think the armor and the shorter hair, or at least the ponytail, is a different look. Okay. Um, next up, we have Simu Lu from Shang-Chi. Oops, I skipped DJ Khaled. What do you have to say for he yourself? Had, he had zero reason to be there. And the whole bit of he was late to introducing the hosts was so bad. Do I even have to say pass? I don't know. But for Simu Lu, I will say smash. I loved the red tux on him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he looked so good. I do like Shang-Chi too. I completely agree. DJ Khaled is the easiest pass on the list. Um, I'm not going to say specifically why, but I feel like most people would know why. Like if you've heard his comments about women before, so I'm going to say no. And then I would, I agree with Simu Smash. Next up, we have Bradley Cooper. Do I even need to say? (laughs) No, we can move right along. (laughs) Also bringing your mom as a date to the Oscars is adorable. That's added points. He's a fan of the power of a dog. Gotta protect your mom. Yeah, also a smash for me. Good. I'm glad that you answered correctly. <laughs> um, next we have Wilmer Valderrama. Okay, he shows up in the most random of moments, and he looked so good last night. He was so handsome. He was with the Encanto cast in the pre-show. Definite smash. Yeah, this is another easy one. For sure. Smash. Another bond tribute presenter that turned into him introducing billy eilish rami malik i don't want to die (laughs) i don't want him staring into my soul pass (laughs) next up we have sebastian yatra from encanto okay his performance let alone his pink tux so cute his voice is like, I don't know, like chocolate, like honey. It's so suave. I really don't care for this song, but he could sing absolutely anything and I would enjoy it. I like really enjoyed this performance last night. <laughs> this is, he's adorable. This is a smash. I'm going to pass. <gasps> wow. People singing to me makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. <laughs> Okay, like not in front of thousands of other people, but no, like alone. Anywhere. Literally anywhere. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't like it. No, no, no. No thanks. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Next up we have the youngest person on our list, Sean Mendez. Yeah, he does nothing for me at all. I, I know that I like smashed Sean White and Tony Hawk, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It seems like I don't have standards, but Sean Mendez, absolutely not. <laughs> this is I mean, Sean Mendez is just like one of the most beautiful people ever, but it is, is proof. Mm, I would say so. Okay. It's proof that a tan can do wonders for anybody, any pale white man. And I cannot wait for summer. <laughs> this is a smash. That reminds me of when I said about um, Mike Feist slash um, Riff that I have a hard time with men who haven't seen the sun in 10 years. So you're right about that, but still a pass for me. Next, we have Jay Ellis, who's Lawrence from Insecure. I didn't see him on the telecast at all, but I saw a photo afterwards and holy crap, absolute smash. I also loved him from Insecure, so nothing has changed. Yeah, this is a really easy one as well. Smash. Next, we have Cody Smith McPhee in that blue tux he looked so cute in the blue i have been loving all of his red carpet looks this whole season um very fashion forward love his looks i'm gonna say pass though too thin for me yeah as cute as he was and as like non-alien as he looked on screen still seeing him like tower over everybody just clapping it's a pass next we have benedict cumberbatch who is also so adorable, like this entire cast here. Um, mm-hmm. I would smash. And I think this is a change from earlier. Wow. This is a change. 
Um, mine is not a change. I would say smash. Easy. <laughs> he looked really cute in his glasses. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, we have Andrew Garfield. Also, such an easy, easy smash. I loved his like velvet jacket. He looked so good. Mm-hmm. Love his hair. That's all I'll say for now. Yeah, there was none of the manic Jonathan Larson here. Mm-hmm. So it's an easy smash. No Denny Villeneuve, no PTA, no Spielberg. We're going to be respectful of our filmmakers here. <laughs> Actors and athletes only. <laughs> well, that is our season two finale. We made it. I can't believe we're moving on Whoa. to season three. Nuts. Thank you so much to all of our new listeners. We've had such a great season and your feedback has been just really amazing. Like I love hearing what you guys think of our show and everything. So um, we promise that season three will be a lot of fun and we've known each other for like 10 years now. This is so crazy, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's very fun. It keeps me sane during the craziness and I love talking about movies with you. Yeah. I love coming back to this every week. It's felt like not even award season, like podcast season, like Mm -hmm. such a long time, but it's been so much fun engaging on social media with listeners like hearing that people are listening and loving our content seeing that nominees are reaching out and making videos of mm-hmm. us um, <laughs> <laughs> it gives hope like I think it's mm-hmm. it's so endearing but it's also fun to engage in something that we love talking about so much yeah so even sure. though it's like mostly us just babbling on every week i i really do love this and yeah being friends for 10 years i wouldn't have imagined that we'd be going on to three years of (laughs) doing a weekly podcast together but i love it i know same it's like it's so so crazy that we've come this far and then our like little baby idea has turned into oscar wilde so i'm excited Mm. for next season We will be sharing more details soon about, I think, what's to come in the season. We will be taking a little bit of time off. Not long. Don't worry. We just need a little bit of a break. (laughs) We'll be sharing some episodes like from the archives for you guys since we have some new listeners. But our next episode, our season three premiere, we will be celebrating The Godfather at 50 years. I am so excited for this. I can't wait to talk about this movie with you and not play Kanye over top of our discussion. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be giving this the tribute it deserves. And the only movie that came out 50 years ago, The Godfather, the original. Mm -hmm. I am so excited. I think we both saw this in theaters and I'm going to be watching it again. It was incredible to see on the big screen and I can't wait to break it down. So much to talk about here. I can't wait. Until then, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Wilde's pod and... Thank you all again so much for your support this season. We really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you very soon. Thank you.